Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? It's another Sunday night, and this is the first Sunday of the new year, man, it's 2022. This is Dr. Delvina, board-certified psychiatrist in South Florida, and it's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. Who's ready, y'all? Woo! Yeah, you hear some flamenco music in the background. Let me turn it down for a second, because I'm talking to you about Peru tonight. So for some of you who may or may not know, the history of Peru spans 10 millennia. It goes back several stages of cultural development in the mountain region and the lakes of Peru. Peru was actually the home to the Norte Chico civilization, which is the oldest civilization in the Americas and one of the six oldest in the world. And of course, we all heard of the Inca Empire, That was the largest and most advanced state in pre-Columbian America. So tonight, I have a guest on the couch. Her name is Ada. We'll just call her Ada. Miss Ada joined me because um, she and I spent some time together in Peru. We became friends. And she had a very interesting story, and I wanted her to share her story on the couch. And, of course, you already know her story includes love. And it's a story about a relationship. Just uh, a short version, not too much, but really this is more so the story of a woman, of a, a young a young woman who became a woman, a lady, through all the transitions, through all the things that happened in her life. And um, I just wanted to share the story because we women here in America, we feel one way. But women all over the world, I think we share some commonalities, and I wanted to share her story. So please join me on the couch. Are you guys ready to take the couch? Yeah. Listen to this. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So we're going to get on the couch, and we're going to talk to Miss Ada so that we can go over some things and talk about her life, her life story. Um, So join me on the couch. So before I bring Ada on, I just wanted to just give you a little bit of history about Peru. Because Peru, like America, also had slaves. The first slaves arrived in Peru in the 16th century. That's sometime in the 1500s. Whereas for us, it was in the 17th century, sometime in the 1600s. And slavery lasted in Peru almost as long as it lasted in America. The slave trade was abolished initially in 1821. However, slavery was not finally abolished until 1854. And if you know your history here in America, we know that slavery was finally abolished in America by 1865. Yes, 1865, that's when the 13th Amendment ended slavery. So after 246 years, slavery ended in America. Obviously, we know that slavery was followed by many other 
ways and methods of suppressing black Americans in America. But we're, we're going to pause on that tonight because I want to get into this Peruvian history, man. <sighs> so let's do this. Let's bring on Ada. Ada, 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 Ada. Hey, 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 guys. It's another Sunday night, just like I told you on my introduction. I have a another very special person on the couch with me tonight. I always have so many special people, man. I'm just like a sucker for stories. I love talking to people and hearing their stories. And I don't know if you can hear this jazz music playing behind me. I hope it's not too disruptive. I'm in Lima currently, and I'm in a hotel, and I'm in the lobby. Um, I wanted to interview this lady I met here while on my little brief vacay. I told you guys before, travel is my therapy. And so um, I'm not going to go into the boring details of where I should have been this week. But as the universe would have it, I ended up in Lima, Peru. And I met this lady. Her name is Ada. Hey, Ada. Hi. Welcome to the couch. Thank you so much for joining me. You are welcome. My pleasure. I wanted to talk to you because we spent some time together today. And um, somehow as we were talking and stuff, you know, we were, you were actually giving me a tour of Lima. And as we were talking, your life story was just so intriguing to me in so many ways. And I asked you to join me on the couch because I really felt like women have to hear this story. Um, men too could benefit from hearing your story. And there's just so many intriguing details in your life besides the fact that you live in Lima and you're experiencing things here that women in the United States experience as well. But before we get into that part, um, I just wanted to give folks just a little brief introduction about you and who you are. So you're not from Lima, you're from another city here in Peru. Yes, I'm from Cusco, which is a medium-sized city in the Andes area of Peru. I moved to the capital when I was about turned 17 years old. I lived in Lima then most of my life and a brief period of time when I lived in the U.S. for four years. Okay, okay. And so um, you're also, your other, your other job is you are an attorney. Well, it is not really my other job. That was my first career. So yes. when I high school, I went to law school and I finished a whole career and I started my practice. But really, it wasn't my calling. It wasn't what I, what I wanted to do and what it was going to make me happy. So after some time, I went back to school and got my degree in tourism. And, and now I am a tour guide. I'm a licensed tour guide. So the first question I have for you is this, because people struggle all the time and not knowing what they want to do with their life, what they want to do for a living. And sometimes there's pressures from the family that want them to become an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer, that sort of thing. How did you know that law was not from, for you? And did you hesitate in leaving the profession and doing something different? 
Yes, I hesitated because in Peru, law is a full career of six years. And my family invested a lot of money for me to go to private school, to private university for it. And uh, I think that for my family, it was more about the status, what it meant for them to be a lawyer, to have a daughter that was a, a, an attorney, and more than you know, like what I wanted to do. So I went with that. And when I had to decide to live it, it was a very big decision that I wasn't happy. Like my everyday life at the office was not a happy experience. So I just decided to do something else. And at least at that time, I had the little luxury of being, of being single. And still at that time, I did not have the pressure or the duty to help my family yet because my family, they were okay. So I could just take the decision and do something else. And I was in the position that I could pay myself for the second career and just do what makes me happy. Okay. Were you scared to tell your mom and dad, like, look, I know you invested this money in me getting this education, but I'm just not feeling this. No, they knew that I wasn't happy. So I, my father, he, he is a, he at that time was a very quiet person. So he would never challenge what I wanted or not to do. And my mother above everything, she wanted me to be happy. So I was okay. not scared. I knew what it meant for them, but I was not scared to tell them. Okay. So how much time did you spend in practicing law? It was besides the six years, we had uh, two years under another lawyer. And then I had less than two years on my own practice, you know, just myself. And that was, wow. the, that was the worst. So that was like a decade, six years of education and training, two years like internship, and then another two years, you said on your own. Yes. Wow. So what was the most important thing for you in making the decision to transition from law to something that you really love, which it seems like, and based on my experience with you, you really, really are passionate about history and tourism. Well, for me, what was important, it was to be happy, to do something that makes me happy every day, that I, that, you know, that is a, that there is joy in every day. And I knew mm -hmm. I wasn't going to get it if I was still practicing law. So I just took the decision, probably the most difficult part of the decision was to go back to school to study tourism. That was the difficult part because it required taking the years to do it, taking the time to do it and investing again into uh -huh. going. So I think that the difficult part was how to make it work in the, you know, in the real world, how practical it was going to be for me at that age to go back to school. How like, long is it to, to study for tourism? 
four years. To get certified. Wow. Four years. Four years. In, in Peru, tourism is a big business and it is mostly uh, history, archaeology, culture. Wow. So in order to be able to work as a, as a licensed tour guide, we call it official tour guide, you have to have your, your degree in tourism and apply for, uh, for an official license. Wow, 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 wow. Much respect to the official tour guides here in Peru and other countries, because I'm sure in Italy and some of these other places where there's a lot of history, tour guides have to be certified and official as well. And you're a second generation tour guide, right? Yes, I learned. I think this is why I wanted to be a tour guide, because I grew up seeing my mother work. And I saw that her everyday job and her everyday career was, was nice. It was happy. That's what I wanted to do. The reason why I went uh, into law, it is because I couldn't enter a tourism school. When I finished high school and it was time to apply to university, we had had more than 10 years of terrible, terrible uh, terrorism in my country. And mm. because of terrorism, uh, of course, the clients were not coming, tourists were not coming. So mm -hmm. it had completely shut down and uh, we, we had, how can I say, we had experienced how bad it could be when tourism stops completely. So I took a vocational test when I was in high school and the vocational test said that I would be a good lawyer. So <laughs> committed Got to it. It. And, I, and I studied it and I loved studying law. It's fascinating and it really showed me how to think in a different way. And it made me feel uh, powerful, understand mm -hmm. the world in another way. So I do not regret that I studied law. I, that, that knowledge and uh, that part of my, my personality, it is still there. So I'm not sorry, it was, it was a good detour. Okay, okay. Now, by the way, how long have you been bilingual? I started studying English when I was 13 years old. In Peru, you go to, well, I studied at the North American, Peru, Peruvian North American Institute of Culture, which is the place to study American English. And you study for three years and a half, going every day, two hours per day. Wow. Yeah, your English is really good. Like you have um, a nice span of vocabulary. And I don't know if it's because you were an attorney. Attorneys are typically pretty smart, well-spoken, vast vocabulary. But um, your English is really good. Thank you. So how did COVID-19 affect tourism here in Peru? Oh, it completely shut down everything because we close borders. So when 
our borders closed on March 16th of 2020. The president gave a message to the nation and he gave he gave tourists 24 hours to leave the country. Wow. It was like, a, it was like everybody trying to rush to the airports and try to get out. Mm. Especially the ones that were not in the capital where the international flights depart from, but the ones that were in the smaller cities, they had to find a flight to Lima and then book a new flight to leave the country. So it was traumatic for them. Yeah. Wow. And for more than a year. So you being second generation um, official tour guide, your mother was still working in tourism as well when the pandemic began, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. So we were at the same time together uh, without work. Yeah. And my brother, he also works in he also worked in the tourism at the time. So my only brother also stopped working at the same time. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. So the bounce back though has been good. You're back to working in your official capacity. Um, your mother is older and you mentioned that she's not working in tourism right now. Yes, uh, I don't know if she will go back and that is not because she doesn't want, but because I think the travel agencies are hesitating into again calling freelancers that are, uh, let's say, federally. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Another piece of your story that I was intrigued by, you know, we were talking about different things, the dynamics of women in Peru and how there's so much overlap and um, basically the culture of women in America as well. Um, you mentioned to me that in Peru, which is you, you notated that in a lot of the conservative countries here in South America, women stay home with their parents until they find a maid or they get married, or I should say until they get married, correct? It's not, you got a boyfriend and so now you can leave home. It's when you're actually married. Yes, but you see, this is, this is what a person that is around my age would tell you, right? A person over 40. Let's say a person over 20 may have a different perception, but the thing is, it is difficult to become independent. But that is not exclusive to be being a woman. It is not just the conservative uh, society. It also affects in some way the men. Mm. Because this is also connected to economy and how things work. It is completely different than in the US. In the US, uh, someone finishes high school, they go to university away from their parents and probably they never go back to the house. In Peru, there are no dorms in the universities. So we stay at home when oh. we go to university. Wow, we, there are no dorms in your colleges no, and universities? Yes, so we stay in our own. Oh my gosh. So there are no dorms. And when we finish university and start getting our first 
professional jobs, good paying jobs, then mm -hmm. it is not the mom moment that we are waiting for so we can leave. It's usually the moment when we can start bringing our income to the household. So we don't. Uh, so both. So it's not a it's not about getting a job so you can afford to leave and move away. That job actually is to contribute to the family. Exactly because the time that we are, especially if we're the older uh, siblings. Uh -huh. uh, the moment when we have a, we have a job, we have money, we can help our younger siblings to get through school. And also, Peru is a very ageist country. So the time when we are finishing university, we're getting good jobs, is usually coinciding with time that our parents are slowing down. So uh, I see. most needed in the house right now that is the that is the the most normal situation of course the wealthy class the wealthy peruvians just like in any other country where wealthy people are involved then the kids don't have that responsibility the kids have enough money that they can afford an apartment but that is just a tiny tiny percentage of people that can do that the regular people don't do that Mm, okay. Now, so how old were you the first time you left home? The first time that I left home was actually when I moved to the U.S. When I was 20, I think it was 25. Wow. I didn't realize you were only in your 20s when you went to the U.S. I was in the U.S. from 25 to 29. Mm. And, and so what was the impetus for you moving to the United States? I'm sorry. Why did you move to the United States? For love. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Get into it. <laughs> so I have we talk. I have we talk a lot about relationships and sex on this podcast. So I mean, it it really does. Every situation involves some sort of relationship and or love, lust, whatever. Well. At that time, I was 100% sure that it was love. So uh -huh. I met someone, so I decided to just leave and go to the US. And that was the, that was the, to be honest, that was the only reason. Gotcha. Honesty is the best policy, man. So, you yes. know, tell us everything. Well, if I started lying, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so where did you meet him in Dominican Republic oh so you were in you were on vacation in the DR yes I was and what you were walking around or were you guys at the same resort or same resort same resort mm -hmm. wow did he approach you did you approach him hmm I think that he approached me. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And do you remember what he said to you? No, I do not. I was probably drinking. <laughs> <laughs> drinking alcohol. <laughs> yes. Okay. Blame so, 
blame it on alcohol, right? Yeah. So you, how long were you supposed to be in the Dominican Republic? I was just supposed to be there for a week. I and after you, a month. Okay, so you were there for a month. Yes. Because of some penis. <laughs> yes, basically. But because of law, like that, because of law. Yeah. Okay. Because of love. So yeah, you were in your twenties. And yeah, you know, it's quite common for us to feel like we're in love. Now, looking back on it, do you believe you were really in love with him or do you think it was lust? Definitely lust, it was not. That was not it. Okay. That, where I have doubts and I always have thought about it, like, does it count as in love if everything that you thought you loved about the person was not really there and was just a lie is it really uh, not are, are you are you suggesting that he put on a facade and he wasn't who he said he was completely completely almost everything that i thought that i loved about him was not really there it was it was oh. it was a very well thought facade. Whew, no way. So for that month that you were with him, he put on uh, basically an act. He pretended to be someone he wasn't. Exactly. And because he was someone he was not, it compelled you to fall in love with him. Exactly. So if I had known the real him, I, that's not what I would have fallen in love with. That's not what I would have even thought that was good for me. Wow. Okay. So you fall in love, a month goes by, and then what happens when it's time to leave the resort? What did you guys decide to do? Well, it was not a decision at that time. I came back to Peru, and then we plan on how... Uh, we could get together. And the decision was that I should go to the US. So I, I moved to the US, I, I got a visa and I went to the US. So how long did you guys date long distance between you, the United States and Peru before you decided to go to the United States? It was about four months. Okay. Okay, we're going to take a break for a second, guys. We'll be right back. So I want you to hear the rest of the story with Ada because this is going to help someone. Someone is in this situation right now. Someone is in a situation with someone who is presenting his or her representative. Yes. And so hearing yes. from Ada is going to help you get out of your situation. The red flags are real. If they are there, pay attention. Pay attention, the red flags are there for a reason and they are telling you something and you may think that you know better, but no, the red flags are showing for a reason. Mm. Ooh, okay, guys, come back on the couch in a second. We'll be right back. So guys, while we take a quick break, I just have a quick message for you from my sponsor anchor by spotify just listen to this quick message and we'll be back on the couch with miss ada from 
Well, she's really from Cusco, Peru, but out of Lima, Peru tonight. We'll be right back. All right. So we're back from our little break. So Ada, you were talking to me about your um, your first move from Peru to, to the United States. You met a guy in, in the Dominican Republic who you thought during the month that you spent with him was showing you his true self, but to later find that it was his representative. Yes, unfortunately, once I moved in with him, I started to find things about him. But I was one of those very romantic persons, very old fashioned. So I thought that I just had to stick with him, that everything would be better, that if if I could love him the right way, then maybe it was going to be okay. But it was now. Do, <laughs> do you think your religion had something to do with what was driving you to believe that if you stuck it out, if you stayed in the marriage, things would work out and be better and get better? Of course, it is a very conservative thought First, the idea, and this came from my whole upbringing and the religious background and my family. First, that a woman is supposed to be a one-man woman. So I already started this relationship with him. So I I have to stay with this person. So that was a, that was that came from my religion and that came from my family upbringing. And also from my religion, the fact that you, that love can, can conquer all, that love should be selfless, all of that. So yes, it was, it was religious and it was cultural factor then. Yeah, the idealistic meanings of marriage and love and what religion teaches us because actually in some religions they teach you to stick it out for better or worse well that is and, catholic. Huh? catholic is like that catholics they believe that and other religions believe that i think most of religions would tell you doesn't matter how bad it is <laughs> you have to stay yeah so just as an aside, you practice, um, you were a practicing Catholic until you converted to being a Mormon. That's right. So at the time that you were with your, who's now your ex, mm -hmm. you were a Mormon. No, not anymore. Because I left the Mormon church when I was 18 years old. Ah, okay. So I started my relationship with my ex. Uh, between 24 and 25 years old. So I had okay. over church. But you see, we leave the church, but that education, that way of living, you don't leave it. Now, because you have already internalized. So whether you're going to church every, every week or, you know, going into their activities, that way of thinking 
it's part of who you are. And so it, it didn't matter that I wasn't going to, to the church. I gotcha. felt that I had to stay with one person my whole life. So you so you left uh, Peru, you moved to the United States and you moved in with him. Mm -hmm. What was one of the first red flags? That he didn't have the job that he told me that he had. <laughs> the Negro lied about his job. Guys, it's the, the man she was married to was black. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, dang. I'm so, I know white men do this too, but damn it, bruh, he was a brother. So he lied to you and said he had a job or he told you he had a certain type of job? He had a certain type of job and he didn't what? have a certain type of job. He had another job. I'm not saying that he was out of the job, but he, it wasn't the job that he told me that he had. What did he tell you he was doing for a living? I don't tell you because it's too embarrassing. But the thing is, I no, was, tell us, tell us. What did he tell you he was doing? Met him. I thought that I was meeting a professional person, but like I was. Uh huh. Uh huh. Not a professional person like I was. Because at the time, were you a lawyer? Of course. At the time. Okay. So I was a lawyer. I was not yet doing anything else. I was a lawyer. Gotcha. 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 So you thought he was a white collar worker like you? Yes. So that was. And what did? Did he turn out to be a blue collar worker? Not not blue collar, but not a professional job. Not okay. a not a job that was white collar. So. You see, that is a, I'm so sorry. That is a, That's a okay. flag, but for me, that was like, okay, this, I can get past. I thought that I could get past it because I told myself, well, this would be very materialistic of me because uh -huh. it's the type of job that I think it should have. So that that was a very romantic thing like in the movies mm. not, you know let you know you don't finish a relationship because of of money or because of status you can still be happy so i reasoned that away and i continued yeah so, you tried to intellectualize it and that's yeah. what a lot of women do oh i shouldn't be this way although what we do is we dismiss the lie. Now, I don't, I'm not sure when you were in the Dominican Republic or before you got to the United States, did he actually say he did a certain type of job or did you just assume that or insinuate it from the fact that he was in the Dominican Republic for a month living good? No, no, no. He told me actually what job, what company, everything. Like wow, so he lied. It was, a, a, as I said, it was a very elaborate lie. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, and what we do when we want to love someone, we give them an ex we make an excuse for them and their behavior. Oh, completely. Uh, that was yeah. It's quite common. And then you say to yourself, self, you're wrong for um for not loving him or not liking him or 
for minimizing him because of the type of job he has, you start to look at yourself and say, as you just said, maybe I'm being materialistic and I shouldn't be this way. I can still love him, although he is whatever the job was that he was actually doing. Mm -hmm. So that was the very first. And then other, other things started to go over time. It was always the same thing. I can get past it. Uh, what happened in his past is not my deal, and maybe he can be different. Maybe he can be different with me. Maybe mm -hmm. I can. <laughs> yeah. So, when did you find out he had four kids with four different baby mamas? At different points of time, I was I was finding out one by one. I was finding out about this person, and then. After some time, I would find out about the other person. So just like that. So it was sort of like one at a time. One at a time. And I'm ashamed to say it. I'm embarrassed to say it. But I found all of that by snooping. It was not, it was not him, you know, coming clean after, you know, about this at any point. I was just finding out by snooping around because I, I started feeling things and hearing things and, you know, so I started looking and I started finding out about those things. Wow. So he never said to you, I have four beautiful children who I love so much. They have four different mothers, but, you know, I'm trying to learn how to love and be in a relationship. And he never said any other. He didn't tell you he had four children. He told me about one. Mm. He told me about one. He told me about uh, his firstborn. And he told me because she was going to move in with us. Uh. So and so, oh, go ahead. He had to tell me that uh, that was just one. How old was she? Uh, when she moved in with us, she was 12 years old. And what was she like? She was a, she was a very sweet girl, but she was, she had seen a lot of reality about relationships and about their, her parents. So she, she was more savvy about relationships than I was. Wow. Like she knew, like she knew how to handle me. She knew, oh. she knew what was the correct things to say to me. Like, what would she say to you? What do you mean? Okay, let me see. Like she would, she would say things like I would have never said at her age. Like for example, compliment my skin. Uh -huh. So she knew how to flatter other women. Wow. And that was, I think that the first thing that, is, that I started thinking about 
later that she had met other women that were in a, had that had been in a relationship with her father and probably uh, she found that to be a good way to break the ice and you know flatter me and get close to me oh. I do you think she oh i'm sorry go ahead I'd, I hadn't, I, I didn't have kids before her. I never had kids actually. So for me, being suddenly in a, being, in, being the grown up or being in the position of being the responsible adult was very surprising to me. It just came all of a sudden. I was not prepared for it. So the type of relationship that I developed with her was more of a big sister or a friend. Gotcha. Do you think she recognized that her father wasn't treating you oh, properly? Completely. She, she told me a few times, why are you letting him do this? Or she would hear something and come to tell me. And she wasn't saying that or she wasn't telling me things just because he, she wanted to create drama. It was because, she, I'm embarrassed to say, but she was sorry for me. Mm. Yeah, don't be embarrassed. I mean, we well, all I, go through I life situations. And I you were what? And she she was understanding the situation better. Uh -huh. so she was worried for me. Wow. So why do you think you, well, you said you stayed because religion had something to do with it, believing that you should hold on to your relationship and try to make it work. That was ingrained in your brain from your time as um, a Catholic, you were a Mormon also at some point in time. So do you think the religion were big factors in why you stayed? Definitely, it was a very big factor. What was the catalyst in your leaving? What finally made you realize, okay, I, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of this relationship. Well, the relationship was the whole time a roller coaster. But towards the end, it became emotionally and physically abusive. Uh. You know, people cannot promise you that they are not going to hurt you. But when yeah. you realize that this person is hurting you on purpose, uh -huh. not, not they are hurting you and they don't care that they are hurting you. I mean, when they are doing something specifically to hurt you. So that's, that's the bottom. Gotcha. So was he controlling? He was, he was controlling, but it was very easy for him to control because I was completely dependent on him. I didn't have many friends. I didn't have family there. So he had control. Yeah. Yeah. And being from another country, and being no, you, very, very naive and being very emotional, by the time that their relationship ended, was ending, 
I, I was, I was a lump in a bed under the covers. Like I didn't see the point of getting out of bed and washing my hair. I, I was paralyzed to make the decision to leave. I allowed so what was, it that bad. Yeah. What was the final catalyst? How did you decide, okay, I got to get out of here. I got to go. Well, the end, the very end, I found out that he was, uh, he was, he had joined a survey to bring foreign brides to the U.S. So, specifically from Filipinas. So he had already started the service and he had already selected his new wife. So that was the first thing. And when I found out and when I confronted it with the information, it got worse. It got worse and it got violent at the very end. And that was it. So the violence was the thing that pushed you over. Yes. That was the Good for you. Good for you. Because a lot of women and men still stay in relationships when they become violent. They're afraid to leave or feel like they don't have the resources to leave. Yes, I was, I was very, very lucky to have the resources to leave. You know, I had my family in Peru that could send me a ticket the next day. And I had, I was so lucky to have a best friend in the US that was there to like physically get me out of that situation till the flight. So with that, without that support, probably I, I would have stayed longer or felt trapped in that situation. It makes me wonder if he, you know, I don't know the, the race or the ethnicity of his four children's mothers. You said it's four and they're by four different women. But it makes me wonder if he, even if those four women were not from outside of the United States, it makes me wonder if he at some point in his life developed this thing where he realized if he was dating someone or with someone from another country, it would give him more control because that person would become, would be dependent upon him. And that's the thing about, about abusive men. They like control and they want to take any type of freedom or independence you may have. They try to isolate you from family, isolate you from friends. They don't want you to have friends. They don't want you to have family. They try to split um, their significant other and the family so that they're no longer talking because if something goes down, they don't want you to have anyone to turn to. So it makes but me wonder that about him. The previous women, I know that they were American. Okay. I know that they were American. I think that I was the first mm. with, a, with a foreign woman. And I think that that is the reason why he went with a foreign woman that he thought, I think that he thought that uh, first Hispanic women 
were old fashioned and conservative and you know family oriented and that's what he thought he wanted. So that's why he went for a Hispanic woman. Uh -huh. And after me came a woman from Filipinas, which I think he, he you know, he traded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Hispanic was not, the Latina was not submissive enough. Wow. Yeah, actually, that's the word that he used. Submissive. What did he say? You're not submissive enough? Exactly. I hated the word submissive. Like he said, it's not a bad word. <laughs> yeah, I bet, especially considering you were an attorney, you were independent, you, you know, I mean, I, I just don't know. Um, I, I think, do you believe women can submit to their men? I think women can be submissive. Career women can be submissive, but we pick and choose when we want to be submissive. It's hardly a bad thing. It's not It's not 100% a bad thing. As we were talking before, and I said, two grown-up people, they can sit in front of the other and put all the cards on the table. So yeah. if, if being you know, submissive and someone being the one calling the shots and the other one just following, if that works for both grown-ups and they are honest about it and it works for them, then good for them. Yeah. And so it... Even if I hated the word at some point at that age, I thought if if I had a good, good man who deserves to leave, I could make mm -hmm. like I don't need to be in control. And I think that can work in some relationships when the person leaving is worth it. Yes, I would agree with you. So what would you tell, what are your takeaway messages? What are the takeaway lessons that you share with other women about this relationship? Well, as I was telling you in the first part, it is first pay attention to the, to the red flags. The red flags are there for a reason. They are, they are telling you, they're showing you who the other person is. Do not ignore them. Do not reason them away. That's the very first thing. And the second is to get out. You can spend years trying to fix the other person. And it probably will not happen. So if you're unhappy, then just be honest and leave. The only, the only difference between today and tomorrow is that tomorrow you'll be one day older and you have lost another day that you could have been happy doing something else or being with someone else or being by yourself. That's right. Let's not leave out that, that part, that piece in the equation. It is a-okay to be by yourself. Don't force yourself to be with someone just because you don't wanna be alone. Sometimes the universe wants us to take time to ourselves and to just love ourselves and not force a situation with another person. 
I think that one of the, the traps for women all over the world is this lie about what it means to be happy. Like in order to declare yourself happy and have your happy ending, then you have to check all these boxes. You have to have the correct partner. You have to have the right house. You have to have the right job. You have to have the right look. And you're, you're desperately trying to get the perfect forever happiness. And that is, that is a lie. Uh, there is no perfect happiness. There is, there is being fulfilled and joyful day by day, moment by moment. Just enjoy moment by moment and take every, take the happiness of every day. Take the joy of every day. I like that. I like that. And that is so true. We have to live life moment to moment, day by day. And I think that's how some people get into troubles because they're always forecasting way ahead. I'm not saying that you don't make plans or there's no, there's never a time to make plans. Obviously, if you're going on a trip across country, you want to make plans. Obviously, if you're planning your career or your education or planning how you're going to pay for your kid's college fund, then yeah, you got to make plans. But there's something to be said for being able to live in the moment when planning is not necessary. It, it is too difficult to check all the boxes at the same time. And yes, that is that we are setting ourselves and that we are we are falling into that. At least for women, it it becomes that. I think that men are much more uh, have more freedom about that. Women, uh, we pressure ourselves too much. Like being single means something. Like being childless means something. Like yeah. you're uh, not having the title deed for your own home means something. So we're putting too much pressure on ourselves. Is the rap race. Yep. Yep, yep, and yep. All right. Do you have any last other words for the women who may be listening? Yes. Be strong. Do what makes you happy. There is no prize at the end of the road for being the most, for making sacrifices. There's no prize for that. You have to think about yourself. You cannot make anybody happy if you are not happy yourself. So take care of yourself. Don't think that is selfish. It is not selfish. You watch out for yourself. All right. I actually love those last words. So I'm not going to add anything else to what you just said. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the couch with me, Ada. Anytime. Anytime. Even in two years, three years, four years. You <laughs> that with someone, just, just send me a message and we, we can chat. All right. Perfect. Yeah. 
we'll chat again. I didn't even get into asking you how you bounced back from that relationship. If you started to date it and get a date again, excuse me, or if you have a new special someone, you don't have to tell us now. We can find out later. Okay. and maybe you can tell us, is it rough dating in Peru? Like, are you dating country to country? Because Peru is surrounded by what, five other countries? Yes. We you are by Ecuador, Colombia, Brazil, Bolivia, and Chile. You got a pen pal in any, any of those countries? <laughs> no, <ma 'am. laughs> Not yet. Not yet, anyway. So let me know when you want to chat again. Okay. All right, guys. I'll be right back. Bye, everyone. So I hope you found this episode with Miss Ada out of Peru to be pretty intriguing and enlightening. Just just talking, you know, just two two women chatting about life. We didn't have time to go through everything, but um, Ada is dealing with and um, she manages her family along with her brother. Um, her mother, as we stated earlier in the interview, uh, was the first certified tour guide in her family. And Ada is the second generation tour tour guide, his story buff, if you want to call it that. Um, but her mother isn't working right now in tourism because of COVID and being elderly and the companies wanting to, I guess, play it safe. The other thing she didn't mention is how she and her brother take care of their father. Unfortunately, her father, who was in his 70s, I believe, in his late 70s, when he was 72 or so, he was at a soccer game and um, fell or tripped and he hit his head. And a few days later is when the problem presented. He had a, a really bad traumatic brain injury, what we call a TBI and if you know anything about TBIs, and some of you will know something about it because of what we see, this may sound crazy to you, but what we see in the NFL with these players who have uh, sustained concussions and um, it changes some of their, some of them, it changes their personalities and their ability to cope with things. And some of them become angry people. And, um, and at times they become very forgetful and they develop dementia and so that's sort of what's happening with Ada's father now. So I just um, I just love how she and her brother place their parents first. Her brother helps tremendously in taking care of the father, and she helps tremendously in taking care of their mother, and it's a team family effort. And so um, it's just very sweet to to hear about that. I didn't see it with my own two eyes, but so I can't say to see that but to hear about that from Ada. So keep her and our family and your prayers. Um, we didn't really get that much into religion, but when she and I spent time together, we talked about her, um, her religion. She spent some time as a Catholic and then she became a Mormon. And now she seems to me to be a non-denominational Christian. So um, thank you for joining us on the couch tonight, guys. And when you get a chance, travel. Traveling is so important because it exposes you to so many different worlds. I was actually supposed to be in Zanzibar. And um, I'm not even going to bore you with the details of that story. But as the universe would have it, I ended up in Lima, Peru. 
And I'll be back in Peru. I'll go back and I'll spend time in Lima again and I'll go to Cusco and I'll end my trip in Machu Picchu. But obviously I'll go back to Lima to come back home. But um, when you get a moment, check out Peru. I was turned on to Peru by National Geographic. I received these emails from them and um, I read so much about all these different regions in the, the world across the globe. So what's on your travel list? What are you considering next for your next travel? I'm not going to tell you what's coming up on mine. You have to follow me on my social media. On Instagram, I'm Dr. Delvina, D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A. And if you listen, I'll give you other ways to, to follow me. Have a great night, and I want everyone to have the best 2022. Thank you. Brain love. What's up, guys? So I just want to remind you about the ways you can follow me. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Delvina at D-R, D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A. I no longer have a Dr. Delvina Twitter or a Dr. Delvina Facebook professional page. Both of those were unpublished. Um, I won't get into the details of that, but... um, Instead of following Dr. Delvina on Twitter, follow the office Twitter page, which is, which is DRT Brain Love, DRT Brain Love, B-R-A-I-N-L-O-V-E, DRT as in Dr. T, DRT. And on Facebook, you can follow the Brain Love podcast. And of course, if you are not following me on Instagram, follow me at Dr. Delvina. And my website is Dr. Delvina, Dr. Shorten, Dr. And then Delvina, D as in Delta, E L V as in Victor, E N A dot help, H E L P. As in help me, help me, Dr. Delvina. And um, tell your friends, tell everybody about the Brain Love podcast. Please subscribe. Subscribe either on Pandora, on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. If you're on Anchor, Subscribe on Anchor. Show me some love, y'all. Show me some love. That's right. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Mm -hmm.